Welcome to the Unlock the People podcast. I'm your host and subject, Static G, and I'm here with my co-host, Sinbad. Uh, welcome to all the beautiful people. Like Static said, I am the witness to this story that is unfolding. We are on episode two of this podcast series. Correct. So during my travels, I've manifested my wildest dreams and my darkest nightmares, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, through it all, I've forged my own path, and along the way, I have met Sinbad, who joined me on my journey to complete my mission and unlock the people. Let's get it. Episode two is sex, violence, and puberty. Enjoy the show. Let's bring that music down. Get into this conversation. So, sex, violence, and puberty is the subject <laughs> today. So, what is the inspiration for that title? Well, I guess it's just like my life, man. Like, it was about that time where I was just feeling all these feelings, you know, growing up from second grade, spanning to about like age 15 is where this is going to go to. So, yeah, I was just feeling a lot of feelings and we're going to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? So I think I left off last time we had the fire. My trailer burned out. Yeah, yeah. which was sounded like a pretty traumatic moment in your childhood. Yeah, man. So, like, think about it. Like, everything you know is gone. You know, everything. Literally, you got a VCR and it smells like smoke. So it's like <laughs> there's a little bit of PTSD from that. Every time you walk by the VCR, you just smell everything. that You smell the emptiness, you know. So um, losing my baby pictures was huge. Uh, that that still bothers me. Like to this day, I take pictures constantly. I'm always documenting my life. And it's for two reasons. But one of them is definitely that. You know what I'm saying? It was definitely a major inspiration for why or like maybe even a self-soothing coping mechanism. But so making sure you document not just, I'm guessing, your own life, but also the people in your life. Yeah, basically. So the like I said last podcast, uh, I kind of went numb, um, kind of brought the pain inside. Uh, I didn't want to talk to nobody. Um, I got kids to leave me alone by kind of just like looking mean. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was just like, just giving that presence of you all better step off. Do yeah. not come interact with me. Yeah, just don't talk to me. And the truth is, is I was just like, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was scared. I was sad. You know, it was just like I didn't want to talk about it. it and you know how people are. So I didn't make a lot of friends. I had one friend named Danny. He was like a cool little kid. He did, didn't really care if I was unpopular, but he was low key kind of popular. Um, so I used to hang out with him. Um, he was pretty cool. He was the kid who gave me the uh, actual action figure. Remember the one that the one that down? yeah, you were talking about that that uh, right before the fire, you exchanged your favorite toys, and he was the one you exchanged these toys with. Exactly. So. He started getting a little more popular. I kind of stayed a loner. Um, I went to church a lot. They had like game systems, pizza parties, and kind of like another home for me to where I felt when things got bad at home, I just kind of felt good going to this church. And there was always one nearby, but one in specific that I went to a lot. What kind of feelings? Like feelings of safety, feelings of excitement? Yeah, I guess like just like um, comfort, you know, you always wonder about your existence. You want you ask why you, you don't really understand. So you know, that connection with God, I always felt like there was a distance and a connection at the same time. So I was just, it was just like, felt good to be able to search through that. And honestly, the people were really cool. They were like really nice to me and uh, my brother. So your brother? Yeah. My little brother, Steven, um, he was the one I was talking about in that story about the, the knife in the last episode. Right. And he was there at the church with you a lot. He would be, uh, we spent a lot of time separately cause he was also popular. Like <laughs> he was cool. He had like a lot of friends. I, again, I, I went the other route and just became a loner. So, um, he was with me though. Sometimes, um, like I said, though, I had this like confliction with God because of how my grandpa was, um, made me really not. So I was like, it was just almost trying to figure out like, was it real or fake? And like, 
you know, trying to understand myself and my family. Was God real or fake? Yeah, exactly. That was like what I was trying to figure out intellectually, you know, you try to rationalize things, especially when you go through some shit, you're just like, I need to figure out, is this real? It seems like a trick. You know, you start questioning everything. And uh, yeah, so back then, um, my family and friends, it was a lot of death, man, like small towns, believe it or not, like there is tons of death. And like uh, Kim, Michael, uh, Jason, it was just like suicides, overdoses, like aneurysms, like all kinds of shit. And it were, got it got to the point it was just like normal. Were these a lot of people you knew? You just ran yeah. up a lot of names. Yeah, they were like my family, family, friends, stuff like that. Uh, my family was really close with a lot of people trying to help them out and get them off their feet. But, you know, addictions run really rampant in small towns, believe it or not. It's crazy. One of the worst places for it. So, um, you know, there were a lot, a lot of people dying. They were getting drunk and high. And as a kid, I didn't know what that looked like. Right. So but I knew it made them different. But that kind of brought me to start noticing mannerisms and behaviors and take like a leadership role within my family. So like my 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 little cousins, I would babysit them. Uh, my little brother, I would kind of tell him the way. And then my mom and my family, you know, I would always kind of like if they got too late at the bar, I'd start calling the bars. You know, I'll be like, where are you at? You got to get home. You know, we got we got school, you know. So that became like a new thing for me um, during the death was just kind of standing up and becoming, you know, a leader as much as I could still be away from everybody. So feeling that you had to step up because of your environment, because of the conditions happen, not necessarily because you wanted to, just yeah. because you definitely didn't want to. I always never wanted to be a leader, man. I, I hated the idea of it. I just like to be alone. Uh, I, <laughs> I can't even lie. I get that a lot. I've had a lot of moments in my life where, you know, I'd be fine being like second in command. Like I'm fine taking on some responsibility, but I, I don't want to like lead stuff. Like yeah. I'm trying to figure my own shit out. Yeah. I'm a soldier for sure. But over time, I think the best kind of a leader is definitely somebody who's been a soldier, somebody who's like, just like a, the best boss is somebody who can grab a mop, you know, clean things, handle money, do all that extra shit. You know, you shouldn't really even qualify as a boss or a leader or anybody if you can't get down and do the actual hard work, in my opinion. Yep. It, it definitely says a lot when you know what it's like to get in the dirt, to get your hands dirty, that it's like yeah. you are talking from a place of I've been there, not at a place of like, I know what needs to be done. Yeah, I'm not and, telling you what to do. I'm showing you how to do it better, you know, so you don't have to go through the shit I went through. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of being a leader is making sure people don't have to go through the hard shit as much, you know, make it easier on people, make it a little easier to learn, maybe. But uh, bringing it back to your childhood, um, yeah. so you felt moments where you had to step up to a leader, even though you didn't want to. Yeah, well, it was like that. You know, I told you about the situation with my mom getting beat and how that fucked me up. But I saw my uncle piss himself, like drunk as fuck. I just look over and I'm like, oh, shit, my uncle's like knocked out, pissed. You know, <laughs> my aunt got her teeth knocked out. And, you know, like I said, Kim died from puking, like puking from alcohol. And it, to me, as a kid, I'm just sitting here like, damn, why do these people do that shit? Like, why are they getting all fucked up if this is what is happening? And I didn't, you know, understand it at that time. But I knew I knew as a kid, I was like, I never want to drink. I never want to do drugs. I don't want to smoke weed. I don't want to do shit like to end up like that. Fuck that. And you how know? old are you at this point? Like, I, I, this is about second, third, fourth grade. Like, as a kid, when you start to be really aware of what's going on, you know, when you start paying attention. It's about seven, eight years old. Probably, yeah. Eight, definitely. Um... So, <clears throat> excuse me, I'd watch my brother, my cousins. Like I said, I was like the father figure. Um, at school, I didn't really fit in. I spent a lot of time alone, drawing pictures, playing games. I like, <laughs> there was even a point with this uh, 
these kids were getting headgear and shit. And I was even like, mom, should I get some headgear? Like I was even trying to fit in with the nerds. Like, I don't know where I was supposed to be here. And she's like, no, your teeth are fine. <laughs> so I'm like, fuck, okay, whatever. Um, eventually I did like, everybody was trying to date and like do that thing as little kids. And I was like, I don't know. I guess even I'm as just... eight years old. Yeah. Like in second, like in, well, I'm, I think I'm like fourth, fifth grade now. Okay. But... So more like about 10. Yeah, probably. So, you know, life is basically more of the same, just getting older. And um, I still like learning, but I met this girl. She was in school. She's a black girl uh, named Brittany. And, uh, you know, I thought she was cute. I don't remember how I shot my shot or if she shot it at me, you know, because I was still the unpopular kid. And they were just kind of like experimenting. Like, should we let him in our... (laughs) But you felt uh, compelled to take a shot? Like, what were your feelings in all this? I just remember dating her. I don't really remember. I don't remember my childhood that good. Like, I blacked a lot of shit out, even the cool shit. So I don't remember that part. But I do remember we were cool. She was a nice girl. I enjoyed her company. But I just wasn't really into dating and shit. I was like, just wasn't my thing at the time. I'm not really trying to, you know, I wasn't into that girl era like a lot of people were I almost felt forced on me and I was just like I'm cool you know we broke up <laughs> it was around the time Outkast had that song so everybody was like I'm sorry Miss Jackson <laughs> I am for real and it was just it was funny but we weren't making fun of her or nothing and it, for the first time ever though it was cool because I didn't feel like left out or um picked on myself she wasn't either like we were I was like actually a part of the school for once like it wasn't so sad by that time even though it wasn't necessarily something you felt you wanted to do you still felt good about having your having a place to be having a flow that kind of made you feel like you fit in kind of well that's funny because like um there was this fake little gang i wouldn't call it fake but it wasn't it was little and it wasn't really real i guess (laughs) so these the, the kids at school the popular ones they had their thing and it was like my friend that was in it and then these other kids that I was hanging out with, and um, they said I could be in the gang. <laughs> I was like, okay. So they was jumping people on top of the hill, and I went up there. And <laughs> it was funny though because they all were like fighting me, and low key I kind of like I wouldn't say I won, but I definitely didn't get my ass kicked. <laughs> I was just sitting there at the end, like, is that it? And they're like, yeah, you're you're in the gang. And I immediately knew like this probably you know ain't legit, <laughs> but I you know it was just good to feel seen. And to feel connected with people, because my entire life, I had not felt connected. It was just like, I'm alive. So just the simple fact of feeling like you had a place to be, you had people to be around, that you felt some degree of acceptance, that part felt good, even if it wasn't necessarily something you wanted or the the way you wanted. I think I wanted it. It's just that I didn't, um, I was scared of it. You know, socially, social acceptance requires being possibly rejected. And I was already used to being rejected by looks. They're looking at me like, I don't know about this kid. He's a quiet one. Like, what is he thinking? Like, everybody's always, when you're quiet, everybody's always looking at you like, what are you thinking? I'm like, bro, just like, what are you thinking? Back up. (laughs) No, I get that a lot. In my youth, I, I had those glances. I had that, like, I was a quiet kid. And so I can definitely feel for that. Mm -hmm. But it's, that's kind of like the whole thing. It's like, what? are your feelings under all this like energy around you? Cause it, it sounds like a lot of this energy came from outside sources, the judgments, the not belonging, you know, what were your feelings through all this? Like deeply, truly? <clears throat> well, you know, basically it was just cool to have the kids accept me because I never had that feeling before. And after losing all my shit and, you know, and the thing was, it wasn't even like that good because it was bad behavior. I was emulating like, sagging in the chairs i started you know not trying i mean i wanted to get good grades still but i stopped really caring and it just kind of brought me into that social aspect and away from that like loner wanting to 
be somebody into kind of the, the herd mentality in me. And it was just different for me. I liked it, but at the same time, part of my soul was like, nah, that ain't it. <laughs> you know, it, at least it was it. It was cool to be connected, but the part that wasn't it was for the the fake reasons. And like, I definitely, I get gangs. I understand like surviving and shit. But the thing is, is it wasn't that. We were just a bunch of little kids, you know? So I just, I knew. Um, and in, in our own way, we were surviving our own situations and it was a connection. But at the same time, like, uh, I wasn't about to like get crazy violent with nobody. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't about to hurt yeah. nobody for these kids and I wouldn't let nobody get me out my character. And the one time they tried was, this is my one character trait is they actually, uh, they were beat, trying to beat up a kid and I wasn't down with it. It was actually a kid I liked, you know what I'm saying? He was a little nerdy kid. Me and him, I, I connected with the nerds too. You know what I'm saying? I defended them and they were picking on him. And one dude lifted him up by his ears, and I didn't think that was cool. I don't remember if I stopped it or not. Normally, I'm the guy that stops it, and I don't remember if I did or not here. But I just remember when it came to taking the fall for shit, I took the fall for it. And I said I did it, even though I didn't. I just didn't want everybody to get in trouble. But at the same time, the kid that it happened to knew I didn't do it, and he didn't snitch on me either. So did maybe that be kind of a comeback around in that whole thing we were talking about before of like needing to step up, needing to be the father figure, the leader figure? Yeah, I just wanted to take care of everybody, man. Yeah, different but and that's also where it's like who am i taking care of you know why am i why am i trying to nurture these people who are obviously i didn't i didn't see it as throwing me under the bus maybe as much as like be defending them but back i mean if you actually look at shit when you're taking uh, stepping out of that like toxic you know negative behaviors the shadow behaviors and you're like yo they're using me you know at this point and we were still friends and shit we're still like not cool but you know we ain't like Bad. we're still cool to this day if i see him i'm like yeah what up dog but um the, the fact is is it just is definitely a situation in that gang mentality where it is really not family it really ain't like we got your back because the truth is i've been in a lot of situations and we'll talk about it in the future almost every time it dissolves in the end and it goes dog eat dog really quick and i don't like that shit because if i'm building a family and that's what shit is to me everything is family you know blood or not so if i'm building the family and i can't depend on you then it sucks because everybody can depend on me you know, yeah. and I want that same love reciprocated. I definitely got that vibe that you've stepped up a lot to try and like take care of others. But I'm I'm curious, was there anybody that at this time, at this like time of like eight, ten years old, where you were taking on all this responsibility, who was taking care of you? Did you feel like there are people that you could be comforted by that could take care of you in hard moments? Yeah, I mean, I'll put it like this, man. Like the family, I think it's like a white family thing where you always got they were taking care of me. We were broke, like I said, we didn't have a lot, right? But like they were there. You know, they tried, they were at work though. And yeah. the truth is, is like, as long as you had food and granted it was like spaghetti sandwiches, regular bread, you know, <laughs> shit like that enough to eat, you know, but it wasn't like we had like a super lot of a nutritional value. It wasn't like we had the money to really even Wendy's was like a treat. You know what I'm saying? We get that like once every two weeks and it's just like shit like that. And I don't know. Uh, my mom was there. She's really good. She loved me. She was like, helping my creativity flourish but um emotionally like she was busy with her own shit mm. you know and my brother he was doing his own thing me i'm just kind of sitting there like what am i supposed to do <laughs> you know what i'm saying so like in, in in a way i felt immediately like i don't have nobody i got me you know I, I i got family you know that i can depend on as far as the basics but as far as yeah. like emotional support it's like hard i didn't want to talk to nobody no i i get that a lot a lot of energy that goes into you know, providing for each other and surviving. But when it comes to emotions, emotions tend to be second or third or 
even in some cases dead last. There was like a don't speak unless spoken to kind of situation, you know? Yeah. So it's like you have to suppress your emotions. You suppress what you want to say. You don't really get the chance to speak when you're upset. So that bleeds to what? Bottled up anger, uh, resentment, depression, <laughs> for shit like that. Yeah. Emotions are, you know, hey, when you have time for them. But mm -hmm. are, are you doing everything you need to do in school? Is everything around the house taken care of? Is the money coming in? Like, Facts, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely got that energy a lot growing up as well where it's like hey you know unless your arm is broken yeah it's facts, like yeah. you know that's the level of extreme it's like <laughs> otherwise it's like you got to step up you got to work harder a lot of that voice and energy well even with me uh like it's funny you said that like there was one time i was running through the fields be before the trailer burnt down i was in the fields and i was running and there was just like this log and it had a nail in it and i didn't see it so i was just running i go T -t 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 -t, and then all of a sudden ah! i'm like ah I looked down and there's a freaking nail through my foot. I was wearing flip flops and it was through the sandal into my foot. I was like, ah, crap. I lifted my foot up. The motherfucking wood lifted with me. <laughs> Swear to God, dude, it was the worst. It was the worst. And I felt so like hurt. And my mom, I told her and I was like, mom, look at this horrible accident. And it wasn't bad enough for her. She was like, nah, you're good. Maybe we'll check if you need a tetanus shot. I'm like, it's like, damn. I'm really out here surviving. <laughs> yep the the pain. It's like if it's not life or death or life or limb at the very least. It's like ah, oh, let's see if you can walk it off. I mean, yeah. like it's it's you know it's a lot of money to go to the doctor. Granted, I got both my feet, so it's like it is yep. what it is. We didn't have. I don't think we had insurance back then either. It was like we were that level of broke. I don't think we we had. I don't know how government support works, but I just remember we didn't have a lot of doctor trips and shit like that. It was what it was. But anyway, so um, yeah, I got into junk in my little gang. I low key won the fight. Uh, School became more tolerable. Um, so at this point, I'm like in fifth grade. Uh, I got this teacher, Mr. Weiss. I kind of had the South Park experience where I had the same teacher for two years in a row. I had that too, fourth and fifth. Yeah, mine was fifth and sixth. So in fifth grade, he's uh, playing some Weird Al Yankovic. He turns it off and he's like, yo, by the way, I just talked to you about Columbus. That dude's actually a rapist and he's actually colonizing and raping young girls. He didn't discover America. All that's bullshit. And I'm sitting there like, he used all those words exactly. Well, you know that was my wordage, but <laughs> oh, that would have been the coolest teacher ever. It's like I'm not even. But bro, he unveiled the truth to me, and I thought that was pretty cool because here I am, I'm like fucking getting socially accepted. But when I was feeling alone, and now all of a sudden I was feeling like, you know, abandoned by my teachers. But this dude is straightened up giving me the truth and the knowledge, and I'm looking at my teachers like what? Because I'm looking at the book right here, and it says he's this great guy who discovered uh, America and, you know, all these pr high praising things. So it immediately made me the rest of my life question everything. Yeah. The, the old phrase, history is written by those who won, not necessarily what was true. Oh man. And I started digging, bro. I dig, I dug into history, scripture, um, like all kinds of like really deep conspiracy theories. Like I've really been in it and it's helped me look at the act. Cause Here's the thing is when you look for the truth, you get hit with a lot of fake truths and a lot of deceit trying to pull you away. from. There's just so much bullshit, even in the conspiracy theories. And you really have to learn to spot the truth and be able to, it, it becomes a skill. It's an, it's a, it's a trait that and you have you were, to learn. And you started doing this at age, what, uh, 11, 12? Yeah, whenever you're there. in fifth grade, that's when it opened my, uh, I, I un unlock something at that point, yep. <laughs> you know, the seeking for truth, I'd say. <laughs> so in, um, Sixth grade, I was all popular and shit. We were all wearing blue. That was our thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know so, what you're saying. Right. <laughs> you're like, gang, gang. So, but in seventh grade, we switched schools. Went from elementary to middle school or junior yep. high or whatever. So, I get to the table. I see everybody over there and they're like, yo, we're wearing orange now. Orange is our new color. I'm like, orange? We wear blue. 
And I'm just looking at that like, that's some whack shit. So honestly, I immediately sat my tray alone. <laughs> immediately, the first day of school, looking at all my friends from the other school, and they're all sitting at this table wearing orange, ganged up. I could be popular again. I was like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> I'm well, going to go sit by myself. Like, I don't know who started this orange <laughs> thing, but I'm not feeling it. I was like, I've just felt like traitors and shit. I'm like, yo, I thought we were blue, bro. Why are you going to talk about orange? And it's just like, and red and black was the school colors, and I liked red and black better. And it's like, if we're going to pick, I like blue better than orange. It was just like, fuck this shit. So I broke from the herd. I chose me for the first time. That was like the second unlocking, which is when you stop walking with the herd and mindlessly being programmed, right, by the social people socially around you but i started getting depressed <laughs> started really like feeling like fuck this is where i started feeling suicidal and started like questioning what depression and anxiety are i started seeking mental health help um really trying to go into that self-discovery i'm pretty sure like every person in that era was doing like personality tests <laughs> like yeah. intj person you know i mean introvert like, shit extrovert yeah there's a i mean personality comes out probably the largest when it's time for hormones you mm -hmm. know 11 12 13 14 that kind of around age and that's when a lot of extreme thoughts can come in yeah especially when you're like just seeing life for what it is and you know you got you're, you're going through the, the the fucking emotions exactly as you're supposed to but it's almost like you're turning around and then getting pushed back in i don't know it's just interesting to me because the illusion was being peeled back right so I'm seeing the truth over here in school. I'm seeing the truth of society. I'm seeing the truth of families, how church and God is. And like, I'm just really feeling uncomfortable about my life. I realize being smart don't mean shit. Having skills might not actually pay the bills, you know, because I could sing, I could draw, I could do these things, but nobody really gives a fuck. <laughs> you know, yep. they don't give a fuck. And it's sad. I hated it. And then I got to the point I just didn't even want to talk to nobody because I started being scared. Like it was like, what? Well, now I know that I was scared. But back then it was um, what it is, is it's anxiety. And I had generalized anxiety and that's probably because of the traumas and shit and the PTSD. But I got like, you know, scared to deal with it, scared to talk to anybody. And I just felt more comfortable drawing. Um, so generalized anxiety basically means like my demon is a fear demon and I'm always plagued by it. So it's like every situation going to the barber, I'm worried about getting my ear clipped. I'm worried about hit, getting hit by a car. I'm worried about, and then back then I used to get fucking flashes, bro. Like it was felt surreal. Like I'd see like, myself die like final fucking destination shit i'd get flashes of it and like I, that so this gets into my future where i started getting like flashes and seeing things that i was supposed to do or future shit i was supposed to accomplish your goals and dreams and like manifestation tricks but at this point i'm just seeing myself die all the time I'm like this sucks i hate this gift and as a reminder this is when you were 10 yeah. 11. yeah i even told my therapist about that she was like uh, i don't know i think that's i don't know yeah and she just didn't know what to say anyways so i'm in a constant state of fear at yep. this point but at the same time becoming okay with it like eh, i'm cool with rejection at this point like i'm rejecting myself from the how crew. did you become okay with it um i just i feel more comfortable being myself i feel more comfortable being myself than being a fake version of me and i don't mind like going with the herd a little bit you know i don't mind rocking with it uh but it's got to be authentic to me too it's got to be like yo this is something that the herd is doing that I would also do, but I don't fuck with this. It's just like critical thinking. Setting point. your boundaries. Yeah, sort of. And so, like, that's the thing, though. It's like, physically, I'm nervous all the time. I'm chewing my lip. Like, it's mm -hmm. just like, even to this day, I still do. I'm always, like, jacking my knee. You know what I'm saying? Like, just moving around a lot. My body is anxious, but my spirit is fearless. So yeah. it's like I have this, like, state of fearlessness. Even to this day, I have no fear of death. You know, I don't even have a fear of God because I'm good. You know, I'm not worried about it. 
Yeah, no, anxiety is an interesting thing. I once heard it defined as a difference between anxiety and depression. Um, anxiety is when there's too much going on and you feel overloaded. And depression is when you feel the absence of thing. Like you feel like, I don't know what the fuck to do. Yeah. So anxiety, the way that you just shared it to me, I felt like, you know, you had all this uh, things you could see happening or feel happening around you. And like all these things kind of like arrows, like digging into you, but at your core, you were solid. Now, it doesn't make any one less true or more true or easier than the other, um, but you still had a solid core that could ground you even when all this like chaos energy around you was just like digging into you and causing your anxiety. I would describe anxiety as like most people have life and they have like a road and they can get in the car and drive and you know, there's fears that come with that, but they're pretty much in the car and they're good. My life is like with anxiety, like trying to cross a 10 lane highway and not get hit and uh, make it to the other side. And the way you conquer that is by actually elevating your consciousness to where you don't, you're not walking through these cars that are coming at you every moment, always wondering when you're gonna get hit. You go all the way above it and you elevate above it and you can see the shit moving and you identify what's going on below you. And that's kind of like a, a part of ascending from any mental you know, illness or- You get that spiritual bird's eye view. Yeah, and it's important. I think it's key for a lot of um, healing. For, that's definitely what helped me was just being able to sit above it. You know what I'm saying? So um, these days, my mind kind of soothes my fear with logic. Like, okay, I'm in a car. I'm driving. I'm not going to get hit by a car. Well, then again, I just did get fucking hit by a car. So you that did. doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, but that might be a story for uh, a later. Yeah. That's the more recent activities. And we're Jesus. still digging into your past, man. Yeah, man. My life's crazy. Oh. <laughs> so anyways, uh, being a kid in a small town, it's kind of weird. You know, I saw... Um, I saw, I had this girl and her brother, they were always trying to hang out with me. And then this girl like tried to have sex with me as a kid. And it's just oh. like, yeah, it was fucking weird. So I kind of ran from that situation and I'm like, man, now I got a little, little, little girl trying to fucking have sex with me and shit. And it was in a weird laundry room and it just made me super uncomfortable. It was the first time I was exposed to like sex as a kid. And it was just like, I didn't want to have nothing to do with it. So I just dipped and uh, went, <laughs> played some video games, but I found out as an adult, a lot of kids in that town were actually getting molested. And thanks to my family and shit, like, you know, I actually didn't. And that's one reason I'm uh, preaching family values. And, you know, a lot of my friends actually got hurt. A lot of my girlfriends have been molested and stuff like that. So it's a really uh, subject that touches my heart that, you know, I want to help people that have been through it because it's actually so much more fucking common than you would think. It's crazy how common it is, actually. I almost feel like the odd one out that I didn't get molested by how many people I've talked to. It's crazy. So anyways, my family's good in that sense. Um, but that was weird to me with that little girl. So um, anyways, I used to get in street fights a lot. <laughs> like yeah, as a kid. you mentioned the little gang thing, but it sounds like that wasn't the only point of that. Yeah, well, I was in like the the poor neighborhood. So there's actually in this small town, Casper, there was like neighborhoods. There was a place I was in was called Felony Flats. <laughs> it's where <laughs> the cheap housing and shit. So there's this there's even this little kid that stole my bike. Like he would always steal my fucking bike. One day my aunt Mel had to go find his ass, you know, and be like, hey, give me my fucking nephew's bike back and got it back for us. But that's the kind of shit we dealt with all the time. You know, my shit's getting jacked. I don't even got shit. And now it's getting jacked. You feel me? <laughs> so, anyways, um, even though I got the shit stolen from me, I kind of grew to resent being poor. I was like, well, this little motherfucker just jacked my bike. You know, people can do that and cops don't care. It's just happening. So, you know, I started jacking shit too. And I was just like, it's like, if people, if I don't got it, I'm gonna get it. 
Yeah. No, if it's, you know, hey, if this is stealing from me, I'll just steal it back. Kind of that mentality. Well, or steal from. No, I just started taking a fucking bite off of his page. I was just like, yo, man, like at that point, but I was like Robin Hood. Like I wouldn't steal from family or friends. I would just like, I would like at school, I would take pizza, <laughs> put it in my pocket, and I'd say I'd pay for it at the end, or I'd go to the stores and jack magazines and fucking candy and shit. So only from people that crossed you or big corporate stores. Kind of like Robin Hood. Yeah. <laughs> that was I was definitely I definitely relate to. Well, Robin did you give to others or? In the future, I definitely was doing that. Uh, at this point, I was just broke, man. I was just trying to get my own shit. Yeah. You know, I think every poor kid goes through that point if if you think about it. But anyways, so um, you know, that was the beginning of my shadow behavior, which I think it's important that everybody identifies the light behavior and the shadow behavior that they have, right? Because you got these two seeds: angel seed, demon seed, and you can feed both, and both bear fruit. And people don't realize that. So that's why I'm being so honest about my behaviors growing up on both ends like yep. my leadership qualities and also my like i uh selfish like let me jack some shit because I'm, I'm broke and i'm resenting it now yeah that story is not too uncommon most modern ones would interpret it as like you have two wolves living inside you one in the light one in the dark and the one that grows is the one you feed yeah exactly and that's the fact and uh you know the thing is too is even in my shadow behavior i had a code like i was never just trying to like steal from people to fill my selfish needs to steal it wasn't even like that you know what i'm saying it was like i was trying to um I don't know just have something just to feel like i had something too so anyway like it, there was even a time where i caught my brother jacking some shit. you know uh -huh. what i'm saying so like i caught him jacking from my mom we would steal together but like he was jacking money for my mom now and i saw that and i was like bro no fucking way like put that back like we're broke mom don't got money how'd you know? that conversation go he put it back okay yeah he didn't jack from her for again but again like we we were, we were both in the same boat you know what i'm saying so um anyways the next uh let's see here i want to talk about my friend justin he became my best friend and then his sister became my girlfriend and that's your first girlfriend i take it I, my second girlfriend the first one was that girl in grade school uh -huh. um this girl was a hispanic girl uh his sister and she was like 15 i was 12 but i lost my virginity to her and that was pretty interesting. Oh, did this happen pretty quickly or was it a while? No, nah, I was, I mean, she was left, definitely knew what she wanted, you know, but I, I gave it to her. I was just like, fuck, I'm, I don't really know what to do with this. I'm 12. I don't think I'm fully able to use it, <laughs> but I was, I was kind of about it, you know, like, fuck it. You know, like you're a little kid, this girl's putting herself on you and I ran with it. So I did it and it was different my mom caught me actually because i had a fucking condom wrapper in my pocket okay yeah it was pretty interesting that was an interesting conversation but that's when i started noticing like sexuality everywhere and tv like my mom like she was like i drew a picture of fucking mewtwo once and i drew like an energy ball and i smeared it right and then it did look like a penis on mewtwo <laughs> i admit it but she was immediately like what and that's when i was like man like motherfuckers can't just see a mewtwo you gotta see a penis. <laughs> you feel me? I mean, yeah, that just reminds me of all the people who find like the various like hidden sexual innuendo in like Disney movies. Like, what was it? You look at the poster of the Little Mermaid. It says like sex is supposedly in there. It's like there's the whole like, oh, this is such a dark secret, or it's like. I mean, the artist just drew it, and that's just how it came. Nah, there's definitely some shit in Disney movies, bro. We'll have to get into that in another episode, bro. Yep. There's definitely a penis in Little Mermaid. I mean, there's definitely <laughs> immense uh, sexual accent. In Lion King, it says of. sex in the clouds. Oh, like, maybe that was the one I was thinking Yeah, of. there's so much. And that was another thing as a kid, just being like, wow, holy shit. And, you know, that was one of those uh, 
revealing moments I've had as well with the Disney moments. And I, I could get into hundreds of these. Anyways, so I'll wrap up my story real quick for the day. Um, but in school, you know, I'm in school and I didn't get bullied too much because I got that popularity moment and everything was cool. But then I had that uh, that alone moment where I walked off by myself and then somebody thought it'd be funny to start picking on me. You know, every once in a while it happens where somebody says, oh, I think I could get him and he won't fight back. So this guy came up to me and he fucking goes, he walks up and I'm on my locker or something and he just bop, backs my head. I'm like, bop. I'm like this motherfucker pushes my head into the fucking locker. Oh. I look around and it's look at this kid I knew. We were like cool. And he was doing it to like impress somebody and act cool. And I it pissed me off. So I turned around and like, bah, motherfucker, clocked him right in the face. He immediately was shocked, turned over and bent into a little turtle. And I just came up, I just remember in the fucking hallway, like, Dah! I was just sick of motherfuckers, you know, bah, 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 whooped his ass. And then I felt pretty good about it, walked away, didn't get in trouble, but then I saw him still bent over. And that's when I was just, my ego kicked in and I just ran him back up to him and bah, riff, kicked him right in the ass. His fucking oh, ass went up like a foot. <laughs> and, and a teacher saw me and they were like, Derek, what the fuck? You know, and I didn't say shit. I was just like, yeah, I know what I did. You can take me. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a pretty, like you were extremely animated in that story compared yeah. to a lot of the other ones you shared today. So it sounds yeah. like it, it really stayed with you. Yeah, man. Well, like, I don't know what it is. That's what I'm saying, though, is like, I felt I identified that, like how much of this behavior was being programmed, sex, violence, like just straight from puberty. Like, am I being programmed from television, which is television? You know what I'm saying? It's telling you a vision to program you. The music that I'm being fed, basically breeding me into anger. Like I'm listening to Eminem, NWA, Linkin Park, Tupac. You know what I'm saying? Like Metallica and like all this shit. Ozzy Osbourne and just like feels like it's like releasing this anger and it's good but at the same time it's watering that seed you feel me you are what you eat facts and that everything spiritually yeah. mentally emotionally and um so I started identifying that and I was like wondering man like is this like a test do they want me to be angry abusive drug addicted and alcoholic like my mom's boyfriends and like the shitty examples I've had for men in my life <laughs> which I don't want to be that you know yeah. what I'm saying? Or is this a test? And I'm supposed to, they're weeding the strong from the weak. You know, that was what I was wondering. Are you even supposed to know it's a test when you're that young? Well, especially with like the religious philosophies, I always had that heaven or hell concept, but wondered if it was like real or legit or a trick to breed good humans. So I always had that yeah. thought, like, is this legit? But uh, at the end of the day, it, it was like a real thought, like, I'm not going to be the weak one, you know? So uh, I'm pretty strong. And I felt like life was pushing me into sex and violence before I even hit puberty. Well, yeah, the outside forces, but you know, the ultimate thing it comes down to is like, how do you feel from all this? Like how, what emotional depths did like, did it just take you to? I mean, I don't know, man. That's, that's kind of what I'm getting into is I think we'll get into the next chapter real quick with the identifying it. Isn't that, that's what it did for me is it helped me identify like, oh, okay, well, this guy just picked on me to look cool to people and I whooped his ass and it felt fucking great, you know? And when I went and told the people at A2S, um, I told them like the first A2S? thing, alternative to suspension. It's like basically wow. a chance to be in therapy, therapy, you know? So, uh, but still do school. Um, so I got, I was in that a lot from that point. Honestly, I spent like half my high school in there. So I, I, I got in there, I was talking to everybody. They're like, why are you here? And I initially, I told them, I was like, I whooped this kid's ass. And I was just wanted to come off hard. You know, I was like, don't even fuck with me. Like I said, with the mean face and everything, yep. like, leave me alone. All of you, 
motherfucking basically bad kids. <laughs> you know, like I didn't want that. These are the bad kids. And I'm sitting out with them now. I'm like, fuck. Even after that fight, you didn't feel like the bad kid? Nah, I felt like the fucking good kid, but I wasn't about to tell them. So then eventually, though, I did tell them. I was like, yo, by the way, like the reason I snapped on him was because he pushed my head in the locker. He was bullying me. And then everybody's like, oh, you were being bullied? I was like, yeah. But like, I didn't want to tell them that and seem soft. So then they're like, fuck, dude. Now I understand. You got this emotional problems bottled up in you and you're over here this fucking kid just starts bullying you and you whoop his ass for it like if anything you're defending your fucking honor and you know my mom told me don't swing first but swing if they fucking hit you and he hit me and i hit him back you know i fucking it wasn't the first time this happened i've been in a lot of little kid fights and i didn't like that shit though i didn't like to fight because again i had fear i had anxiety and I, I was so scared of getting my head hit on the ground and like you know brain damage you know i, I wasn't trying i wasn't in trying to invite that shit into my life i was trying to be left alone truly so i think with identifying the how you're going to transform is you have to literally identify these behaviors that have like um that your shadow behaviors and your light behaviors and for me my, my, my shadow behaviors being anxiety and then stealing and stuff like that and anger and bottling it up and um identify like the peer pressures like what pe what are people trying to get you to do you feel me like where does the energy come from how is it repeating in your life and how long has it stayed with you yeah like people fear rejection more than anything so if you can break that fucking fear of rejection you gonna have the battle because then you don't give a fuck what people think and then you can kind of start to be yourself and that's where you really you really can't activate until you're able to lose that fear of rejection and be yourself like that's a big key yeah listening to your own internal voice as opposed to the many external voices from other people from society from media and probably a hundred other things that we're not even aware of all of these yeah. putting pressure and sparking some anxiety well that's why i tell people like be go find yourself create figure out what you do because um artists and creators and stuff like that you're putting yourself out there right so you're facing rejection every single day you basically build yourself into a stronger individual that can handle life's pressures you can go out and try to get a job that you might not get and maybe it happens because boom you can handle rejection you, you can handle hearing no a hundred times you're, you're gonna try every time you're not just gonna fucking back away from trying which is a lot of people's issues they don't even try yeah you're also sharing your truest self as an artist like what is it that you love so much inside you that you want to let out and being vulnerable enough to hear others views on that and you know sometimes like you said getting rejected on that yeah and that's the other thing too is just kind of like identifying what are you afraid of and considering if that's what you're supposed to walk into you know what i'm saying because i've always been afraid of like socializing been afraid of like having a girlfriend and then if i have one i'm afraid of losing her you know fear altogether shaped my life more than i even understood because like now that i look back i'm like oh that was my demon i killed that motherfucker today but like back then it ran my fucking life and up until literally probably uh i would say a couple years ago if not like until i was 33 and i'm 34 you know so it pretty much ran my life and i just didn't notice it because i didn't identify that yep you have to see yourself see where the patterns are and find your ways to face it and stop feeding those demons 100 percent. and i think for me it's also like 
I was escaping, um, feeling pressure from school, feeling the rejection. I found comfort in art, which is another calling of mine. So you want to find your comfort zone too. Like, where are you comfortable? Like for you, you're a traveler, you're into like leaving and escaping and feeling free by this. And I, I, I resonate with that. For me, it's like escaping into music and escaping into like art and another world. And I know like gamers are in that realm. So it's like, but but without jumping into gaming and stuff, think of other things you can, unless that's your like calling, think of other things you can do that are pulling you into the world and out of your screens, out of your phones. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I will that's have to too. reply a little bit because like for me, my traveling adventure isn't my escapism. It is my searching. Yeah. Uh, I did not find home in the place I grew up. I kept trying to convince myself I was the problem. And, you know, in my childhood, it was a lot of also bullying, I'm not good enough. And I just kept buying into the energy. Well, I must be the issue. I'm the common denominator. Mm, yeah. So I'm... And I was always like the world's the issue. Yeah. And so I just kept buying into that over and over until I hit the age of like 26 when I graduated college and was like, I'm still not happy after all the work I put in. Facts. And so most of my traveling is like, that is my, my heart soul seeing the beauty of the world. I'm wanting to go towards it at some day. I do hope to find my permanent home and my, my place that I belong. Now I'm just enjoying the wonders of the world because that's my artistry. That's my heart song is to explore and adventure the world as much as I can. Cause that's where I see beauty um, yeah. is up a mountain in a forest across the world. But that's kind of getting into, I think a future episode where we say, and talk about like what is our heart song what is our beauty manifestation but yeah facts but like that's the thing is that you got to find your comfort zone in order to start breeding and feeding that seed of angelicness like what are your what is your purpose what are you here for and you have to identify what you're afraid of because sometimes and in, in my case in order to get where i'm supposed to go in my life i actually have to walk through the fire which is my fear i have to conquer yep. every fucking fear and then i have to go to the part that is my light where i'm getting my blessing and then i have to have the self-control and the motherfucking willpower to hold on to it and you know i've been able to walk through the fire i'm a professional at walking through hell and surviving i'm a professional survivor the thing i fucking suck at is when i used to get money or i used to get things i didn't give a fuck about it so i'd let it go or i'd, I'd have it and then i'd let it go and then i'd want it and then after i lost it you know just all these feelings of like loss of control just because you feel like you have so much you don't really need to worry about it so anyways like i'm saying um find your fucking comfort zone find your fucking fire and figure out if you have to walk through both in order to get where you're going and that will lead you to your next to our next chapter where is your basically your transformation and every episode we're gonna take a moment to talk my story through talk about identification and how we can identify these behaviors and what and relate it to yourself and as well as transformation like how can you start to transform actively and for this episode it's perspective and it's really about like uh what do you see being real because your reality is truly your perspective your perception is your reality so how you see things is how you're going to manifest so if you do see yourself as a victim you're going to manifest yourself as a victim all the time if you see yourself as a legend and a king or a queen and you want to go boss up you're going to do that shit and you're not going to settle for less like it's just a fact so perspective is everything you know transformation and manifestation is really all about having that key ability to see what you deserve see what you want and then be able to believe that you can get it and then almost feel it and feel like you already have it and like just about every fucking spiritual book or spirituality scripture anything will teach you that shit and it's just, that's how you manifest so you got to change your perspective quit feeding negative behaviors you know what i'm saying 
Yeah, especially when the negative is not even your own voice. Uh, yeah. A lot of my self-work came from listening into where are all these voices coming from? And I found some of them came from like a full lineage and series of people that I've never known that just kept getting passed down and the even the society around me and just listening to all those voices instead of yeah taking walking with the vulnerability walking with the fragility that hey i have my own inner voice and it, it's scared especially when you're a kid you know I, I think a big reason i've been able to manifest recently is because i did hit adulthood 30 i had some skills but when you're young when you're like you know 15 10 five years old it's the world is more it can be so much. It can be overwhelming, especially when you have this like fragile, like little thing that you're afraid mm -hmm. to share because you don't know if it's going to get received or it's not being received. You're not seeing it. Facts. Well, and that goes into another thing, man. I look at it as that little kid, that little, that's your soul, man. And that's yep. your connection to God. That's your little baby that your gets traumatized. Innocent. And if that's what they're trying to hold you back, that's what they're trying to take. Yep. You know, that little baby, that little innocence. The best time for you to connect into what you love about yourself is when you're a child. That's when you have the most innocence, the most like, I'm just enjoying life. And that's probably the best time you can find your heart song, the thing that could be your greatest gift. But unfortunately, where it sounds like you've experienced and I definitely experienced is the society around you is like, no, we have this stuff going on and you have to run. Through yeah, this I have this predetermined way, way that you're supposed to be and who yeah. you're supposed to be. And if you don't do that, yeah. we're going to punish you. We built this machine. <laughs> we need you to be one of the parts of this machine. You can choose what part you want. But if you, you know, if you're thinking, oh, maybe I don't want to be part of this. Well, too bad. Too bad. Yeah. And that's what bred a lot of my rebelliousness, rebelliousness in my teenage years. But we'll get to that point later. Um, yeah, man. And that's the key to breaking free, transcending, transforming is just identifying and changing your perspective and really getting to know yourself. Because if you're going to neglect your inner child, then you're going to have a little broken mind and you're going to go through your life, uh, you know, trying to blame everybody else and act like you're not the problem because you can't see yourself. You don't even know who you are. You don't even understand what's going on. Whereas if you heal your little inner child and you grow your soul, then that's what you're going to be able to uh, leave your body with. You know, you really want to focus on building that part of you, which is um, detachment from material things, which is detachment from pain. Like study Buddhism a little bit and it'll tell you the same thing. Like life is suffering. Uh, enlightenment is the detachment from suffering, which means you have to accept fucking pain. <laughs> yeah, it is seeing it for me in my healing ways. A lot of it comes down to seeing patterns and momentary elements, both in light and dark, uh, giving tears of like feeding the kind of distractional energy. They're like, hey, there's pain coming in and I'm going to, you know, deal with this by just, you know, going through a quick distraction, a video game, a movie or whatever. And there's not a lot of depth to that, like, but going back to like the, the beauty of like the child's innocence in the same way that I identified like the darker patterns I have, like going, oh, this behavior of darkness occurred over and over and over in my life. And this is something I need to look at and work on. I also found my heart song the same way where I looked back of like, oh, when I was a kid, I was always drawn to these stories of adventurers. Yeah. I was always playing these adventure based games. Fact. I was always like inspired by so you use your experience to help yeah. you define what you were looking for that really resonated with you. And I think that's really good. And that's the thing is, is you're never going to know <clears throat> unless you try, bro. Like for me, it even like with my childhood, what did I do? I was literally playing fucking sports i was playing football volleyball yep. basketball i was in the, i was in that shit and i was doing the children's corral i tried yep. everything bro and that's how i found myself i was like well i don't like fucking sports i do like to draw i do like to play games and i do like uh, you know to sing so you like being expressive 
yeah and uh, yeah and what that's like the angel and demon is like my angel wants to express my soul that's like my song you know what i'm saying but my demon just wants to fucking feel good self-serve and be like pleasured and i think that's a lot of a lot of people's battles you just want to dodge your feelings and pleasure and you know avoid your dark feelings by finding pleasure in whatever way that may be yeah. right the greatest service you can give to yourself is feeding that true angelic that true light voice that true like this is my gift this is my thing that in any aspect is going to shine and resonate that hey like even like the gaming and things the food and things like the whatever distraction is fine as long as you can see yourself in them so like i said like I yeah yeah you have to moderate everything you do and that brings me to a good point is which is you have to watch what you're putting in your body and that includes your food that includes your water that includes your emotions and your thoughts you know what i'm saying exactly like it includes all that you, well, you listen, your music your yeah. music like they're on some demonic frequencies right now i just started listening to gospel just to make sure i purge that shit for a little bit and then i'm listening to some good country music here and there i'm listening to some rock and roll here and there i'm listening to some hip-hop i'm getting the what i want to listen to in my pieces but i'm not sitting there like listening to demonic music or watching TV shows for fucking eight hours, playing games for eight hours like I used to, which was an escape. You know, you're escaping your fucking life doing that shit. And that's good. Do your thing, but like moderate it. Yeah. You know, because what you put in your mind and body is what you become. So if you become negative, if all you listen to is negative music, if all you do is eat shit from shitty stores, if all you do is complain about your life, and man, that's what you're going to manifest is a shitty life where everything sucks. <laughs> and then guess what? You have already have a bad attitude. So there you go. Now you're left with shit and you get to eat it. <laughs> Why would you want to do that to yourself? Yeah, not even eat it. You are it. Yeah, you are it. And that's the thing is like, do you like to be mad? Do you like to be sad? No. Why does everybody do that shit? Like, and it is a fucking choice. People won't admit that being angry or being sad is a choice. Like you can have the emotion, but the minute you start holding on to it and living in it and bathing in it, that's a choice. I would say it's also a series of choices. It's yeah. not just a momentary choice. Like, like an emotion's an emotion. You get an emotion, you can't yeah. control that, but you have to catch it and release it. Feel yeah. it. The and choice, let it go yeah the leading up choices and the post choices so like yes like like you said like you'll have emotions you'll have reactions it might be anger and yeah it is important to embrace it when it comes and then you can look on the reflection point of like well if i'm constantly angry what are the choices i'm making that leads to those angers and what am i doing when it occurs you know yeah. am i feeding that anger when it comes or am i letting it be what it is and letting it then be let go of right so i look at it as like you know break it down like we got the shadow behaviors and we got the light behaviors and we got the soul and we got the ego and we got these things so when you're feeding anger negativity these things you're let's consider it that you're feeding the beast right that you you're actively serving that you're serving you're worrying you're serving that's your master you know what i'm saying fear is your master pain is your master whatever you speak is your master so when you're speaking love when you're speaking light kindness you know what i'm saying that's when you become and embody that and that's when you attract that shit to yourself when you're complaining and crying all the time what are you going to attract in your life if you're crying all the time then guess what your baby's going to start crying all the time when your kid's crying all the time what's that going to do stress you the fuck out and you're going to be sad as fuck and that's just like it's your it's it's as much as it sucks it's your fault and you need to handle it because nobody's coming to rescue you you got to rescue yourself and it's important for everybody to realize that pretty quick <laughs> We each have our part to play. Yeah. Um, it doesn't always need to be a solo act, but you do have to take on your portion. 
Yeah, it doesn't have to be a solo act. You got to learn how to ask for help and shit. But at the same time, you can't depend on it. You need to know that sometimes you're going to go through the fire by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to suck. And nobody, it's not that nobody don't love you. It's not that they don't got your back. It's not that nobody wants to call you. It's that they got their own fucking problems, yeah. bro. We all going through some shit. And I think everybody needs to like just be, be accepting of each other and say, wow, that person just snapped. I bet they're going through something. Wow, that person's driving crazy. I bet they're going through something. Yeah. Wow. You know, instead of saying, what a fucking asshole, how about say, I bet they're going through some shit. Yep, but then it, it, it's a fun thing of that. In the reality, most cases, the answer it's a balance of many energies. Like yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a you, huge balance. You literally looking at it as an analogy of a scale. It's almost never the right answer to just put all the slam down on one side of the scale. It is you do have to find the balance between the two, and that's hard. Balancing things is hard, as opposed to just I'm just going to put all the extreme in one spot and then call it a day. Facts. I'm a very. Uh balanced person today i'm like monk level balance but my whole life i've been an extremist i go extreme yep. one fucking direction and then yep. if i don't like it i go extreme the other fucking direction all the other way and how has that worked out for you it's been a fucking roller coaster ride it's been amazing and terrible and i've cried i've laughed i've lost blood <laughs> you know what i'm saying so uh let's get to the next section we're about yep. to wrap it up at the hero moment every every time we tell these stories we have the identification we have the transformation and we have the hero moment which is your call to action you know what i'm saying so yep. uh basically like looking at batman spider-man every true hero has a tragedy that defines them and sends them down their path of heroicness or villainhood you know you really have to make that choice and here we identify ours and uh hopefully stop yourself from becoming the villain <laughs> and yep. hopefully become the hero in your life because you got to save yourself you know yep. what I'm saying? your deepest wound can be either your greatest gift or your greatest curse depending on how you feed it and approach it yep and so in the first episode we talked about childhood trauma and i said in order to move forward it's really important that everybody identifies their ego and their spirit and we kind of got into those themes today which is we pretty did cool. so that's nice because i wasn't even planning for that it's just it's just how it look flowed. at how magical this podcast is now oh it's beautiful unlock the people baby so i had you acknowledge your ego and your spirit and acknowledge that you probably need your ego to get through this world you know it's 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 a fiery world a lot of people have one you need to equip yours but you need to know that it's there and not not act like it's you or like not, not in that sense i mean not act like that's your whole new character right you have to you have to have your humanity that you were born from and then this character that you walk into that gets you through the fire and then the spirit is which is your soul and we'll get into more of that but just identify these you don't have to name them like i do i have static g derek jensen and static jesus <laughs> you don't have to do that but just identify and separate these tr this trinity for yourself right um and in this episode we identified anxiety peer pressure soul pressure just uncomfortable shit you know and how it makes you feel and um basically what i want to bring you guys to do is to help learn how to communicate because a lot of my issues was that i stopped communicating and then i started reacting so i'd just be like cool this guy just fucking pushed me fuck you knock him out you know what i'm saying you know it's quick just, reaction but tending to not let everything be known bottling up a lot of stuff yeah and communication is key you really oh. got to learn to communicate and let it out and it doesn't have to be like oh man i gotta talk and scream it out it's like no just identify say hey i'm upset do you mind talking to me about this like over there can we take a time out and really handle this you know i just really think that's important um for everybody moving forward in this podcast when you're trying to unlock yourself that you can communicate when you're feeling dark feelings and you know learn to express them in a way that's helpful and not hurtful to yourself and others because i think a lot of people don't realize how much they hurt motherfuckers how much they hurt themselves <laughs> people be hurting themselves on a regular basis self-sabotaging not even realizing they just fucked their own shit up and blamed the person that was trying to help them 
<laughs> it's crazy to me, but I understand it because I used to do it all the time, you know? Yeah, it's it's really hard when you're hurting and the, like there's a lot of different responses to that. Like you shared yours. Yeah. Mine a lot of times was I would just constantly think I was the problem. It's like, oh, it's my fault. I wasn't stronger or smarter or fitter or whatever. It's like I need to be more. Mm -hmm. One, The name of one of my deepest wounds is I'm not enough. Yeah. And that's it's, even today. It's still something I work with. Well, Rumi said, you know, I think it was light enters the wound. You know, so oh, it can, but you also have to let it. Yeah, exactly. So that um, that helps flesh out my point, which is that you can choose what to feed your angel seed, your demon seed. That is up to you. It's nobody else's responsibility. You're going to bear fruit from each seed, no matter what. You're going to get something out of it. And that's what karma serves you is it serves your fruit. So it's like, did you water this good thing over here? Were you doing the right thing? Were you helping people? Is it coming back to you? Or were you over here self-serving and alienating people who are helping you? Were you like being a piece of shit and treating other people like shit? You know, like you get back what you give. And I think that's really important for people to understand in, in unlocking yourself. You have to create the best version of yourself and not feed into um, lower vibrational mentalities, um, lower, lower version chakras, like feed, root chakra. Feed the greater you, the, the pattern that you want to come back to day after day, month after month, meet after year, not necessarily the, the moments that can be fun here and there, you know, experiencing the new and all that. But if you're not feeling yourself, if you're not feeling fulfilled, if you're not feeling like this is really who you are and who you love about yourself, then that might be something you need to reflect on. Facts. And just from my experience, I used to have a lot of bitterness and anger towards the situation. But I, I would say, give light, give love, be that, let that be your water. Let that be what you give the world. Because when you give that, you get that back and it feels pretty good. And when people don't give it back, you kind of understand that they're going through their, their own shit and you almost either can avoid it or you can help them. And one of the two, instead of letting it affect you and reacting to it and then letting their cuts cut you. And then everybody's just bleeding on each other. Like, we don't want that. Let's start taping these wounds up a little bit. It's amazing how many phrases can repeat depending. An eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Mm -hmm. It's that's the truth, actually. And for I used to believe in eye for eye my whole life. I'm like, nope, you hit me, I'm hitting you back. You know what I'm saying? You jack from me, I'm jacking from you. Anything you do, I'm going to hit you back, you know, no matter what. These days, I'm actually, I did have a come into light moment where I'm like, I'm on a turn the other cheek status and I'm actually able to do it and embody forgiveness, gratitude, love and grace. And I think that's, I feel the best I've ever felt in my entire life. <laughs> it's crazy. So I encourage everybody, live by light and love. And that's the reality that you will embody. That's what you will see. And that's what you will give. And that's what you will get back. If you're trying to unlock yourself, it's a key. You really have to raise that vibration from self-serving, like that kind of behaviors into unconditional love and i think if, if we can all do that as a species as a humanity as a consciousness we're really going to elevate our consciousness to a level where we're manifesting a greater good for everybody and that's why i'm here it isn't just to unlock you or me or tell my story it's to really help people identify how they can unlock themselves so we can raise consciousness to a level that we can all heal the world Yep. And a big important step of that is to first love yourself and yes, look at you when was the last time you loved yourself? Would have you loved yourself or have you not loved yourself since you were a child? Is there a small crying child in you that needs some love? Heal that motherfucker. Yep. And <laughs> Each that, inner child needs love. Yeah. And that's probably your first big challenge for yourself is, you know, not relying on somebody else or something else to come love that inner child. Yeah, you have to you. love your own inner child. Mm -hmm. You have to accept who you are and love yourself and because 
you are not whatever. I mean, maybe you are, but most people aren't the poster person on the on the freaking advertisements. You know what I'm saying? They're not the chiseled, perfect looking person. Nobody really is like that. Even those people are photoshopped or they have like freaking surgeries and fillers and years of work to make them look that way. You know what I'm saying? So just learn to love yourself. Have that self-love. Express yourselves in the way that you need to express so that way you can communicate and bottle up and not bottle up negative emotions. And so you can release the love that you have inside yourself and manifest it into your life. And that is it for episode two. This has been Sex, Violence, and Puberty. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, growth is uncomfortable. Healing hurts. Stop avoiding the work. It's your time. This is your sign. My name is Static G. My man, Sinbad, over here. This is Unlock the People. Thank you so much. God bless. Have a good night, everyone. And that is episode two. Okay, now are we actually going into additional segment or are we just cutting it here? Nope. That's it. That's it for today? Yep. All right, cool. Let's end the recording.